Come hither, children, and let me spin you a yarn. It is a tale of gods and generals, of heroes and villains, of sailors and snipers, and a really big guy with a six-foot sword. Yeah, and with that, welcome <laughs> to the first episode of Heroes of History with Aiden and Alex. Uh, I'm your host, Aiden Wilson, alongside my co-host, Alexander Lagos. Pleasure, guys. <laughs> uh, today, we'll be discussing the American Revolution. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's always been a topic that uh, fascinates me, so uh, I'm really grateful to be on the show, Aiden. Thank mm -hmm. you for having me. No problem. All right. Um, um, would you like to start? I know I, you've been excited. I am very excited, <laughs> and I will begin. So um, to set the stage, in the period before the American Revolution and leading up to it, uh, there were some very high tensions running around the world, because at this point, uh, it was post-colonialism, so most of the different areas around the world had been colonized by Britain, France, or Spain. Uh, and in the Americas, we saw all three. Uh, the very uh, easternmost segment was held entirely by Britain. The sort of middle segment was held by France, and far west was held by Spain. So um, what we see here is sort of a territorial dispute between Britain and France, and the area between them, where both of them kind of claim this territory. They see it as their own, but neither one really has any sort of legitimate claim to it. You know, kind of important whenever you're trying to establish colonies uh, in that region. So uh, what we see eventually is this erupting into a sort of war between the French and the English, uh, where it, it starts off small with small-scale fighting, but then it starts to erupt into huge battles. And this is essentially World War Zero, basically. It, it was a world war before the first world war started. Um, you had fighting in all their colonies, so in Africa, in, in all these places, but especially in America, because that was where this whole thing was over. Mm -hmm. So this is the first, we hear the name of George Washington. Oh. Yeah, the man himself. The man himself. So Georgie, Mr. One Dollar Bill, uh, he was, uh, at this time, a lieutenant colonel. Uh, so he goes to the contested territory to fight the natives and their allies. Uh, in this war that would become the Seven Years' War, the French and Indian War. Uh, he accidentally signs away a uh, surrender to all his troops because he can't understand the language that the uh, s terms of surrender are written in because <laughs> they're written in French, and he doesn't speak French. So he just signs it, and later on they tell him, hey, dude, you just signed you know, your terms of surrender. He's like, oh, dang it, because it's not a great way to start your military career. No, no, it's not. Uh, but, yeah, he was fighting for England and all that. And so he signs away all his troops. And a, a lot happens during the French and Indian War, but that's, that's a different um, episode. So it lasts seven years. Which, well, no, it's called the Seven Years' War, which is very misleading because it actually lasts nine years. Uh, it does not last seven years. Why is it called the Seven Years' War? Then? Good question. <laughs> it lasts nine years. So don't let it trick you, any of you A-pushers out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so France is basically, at the end of this, England wins. And France is booted out of North America. Uh, they pack up uh, all their croissants and baguettes, and they go home. Uh, poor guys. Uh, so then that starts up a, a little bit of hatred. It does. For England, which will be important later on. It definitely, yeah, very important. So uh, what Britain does, basically, is now that they've got this huge swath of land past the Appalachian Mountains, uh, you got to remember, they fought for nine years over this piece of land. And what Britain does is... They send out an act, basically, that states that nobody can settle in that land past the Appalachian Mountains because they don't want to try to disrupt. They don't want to disrupt the natives, basically. And that kind of makes the American people, the colonists, they're a little angry. 
uh, and understandably so. You mean they fought nine years for this, mm-hmm. and then they're not even allowed to go there. So they're angry, but you know, the government passes an act that you don't like. You don't immediately start rebelling against them. That's just not the way it is. So they were angry, but they sort of begrudgingly accepted it. Um, so Britain expended a lot of money during this war because obviously wars are expensive. You have to pay for guns. You have to pay your troops. You have to pay for ships and cannons and food and all that kind of stuff. And so they ended up with a lot of debt. And poor King George of England, his coffers were a little empty. Uh, and he was, he was pretty sad about that because uh, he liked having big, full coffers. So what are coffers for <laughs> reference? Like a, a money storage, Aiden. <laughs> like a bank? <laughs> like, like a bank. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Kind of, um, think uh, Scrooge McDuck style giant pool of. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, so, what should they do, Britain, in this situation? I mean, they just spent all this time and money fighting for the Americas. Shouldn't it make sense that the Americans have to pay it back, right? The British colonies. I mean. <laughs> to an extent, yeah. Exactly, to an extent. Uh, so what they do is they place a little thing called the Stamp Act. Oh. And what the Stamp Act basically states is that uh, any paper goods that are sold in the colonies have a little tax placed on them. So any, any legal documents, a, a birth certificate, a marriage certificate, um, even playing cards, stuff like that. And uh, you actually see here a decline in legal marriages because nobody can freaking pay it. Uh, it it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is the start of the downfall yeah. that leads to the war. This was the first sort of misstep I think Britain really made here. Yeah, was the Stamp Act because people got really really mad. So what they started doing was boycotting British goods. They started basically just not buying anything that was made in Britain or uh, any paper goods that were made in Britain. So that basically they didn't have to pay this tax, and they were they were pretty mad about this. And the British. Uh, kind of accepted that this was not great. So they passed in 1766 the declo- de- declaratory, declaratory, that's an easy word to say, declaratory, <laughs> declaratory, the declaratory act of 1766. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it repeals the Stamp Act and uh, gets rid of it entirely, but it asserts British power. It basically says, hey, guys, you're our colonies. We can tax you if we want to tax you. Uh, and so they ended up applying some new taxes, uh, which Americans, again, boycotted. These were various taxes, um, you know, taxes on lead, on, on, on a bunch of stuff, just assorted goods. And Americans obviously began to boycott again. And King George starts feeling the heat. He starts getting nervous because he's not replenishing any of his uh, money here uh, because he's, it's, it's not really working. They're just boycotting his goods. Uh, so the Townsend Acts and the Tea Acts um, are just completely ignored. They're d- ignored. They're not working. Uh, let's see. The the Tea Act leads into the Boston Tea Party, if I'm correct. That it does. Okay. So um, the Tea Act happened in 1773. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the other acts are repealed at this point. Because none of them are working, and they're just making the colonists mad. But he keeps the Tea Act. He's really, 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 really <laughs> firm on this Tea Act. He, he wants it to happen. He's like, he's, he's feeling kind of insecure. He just wants to prove to himself mm-hmm. that, that he can tax his colonies, that they are his colonies. Um, so this sort of 
leads to a sort of outcry uh, for two main reasons. Obviously, the colonists don't like this because they're getting taxed. Uh, taxed. And Nobody the second likes taxes. The second reason is that it's happening without the representation in Parliament. No taxation without representation. Exactly. I mean, what do a bunch of guys in suits across an ocean know about the problems and the struggles of the colonists? I mean, they, they can't see them. They don't. And they have no representatives there, so there's nobody to speak out for them. So nope. it's not even just that they don't like these taxes. It's that they don't like where these taxes could lead. They don't like the fact that they're basically getting laws passed on them without any sort of act like representation in the government. Uh, so heated protest. Um, this eventually in the Tea Act led to, in 1770... So we jump back. So the Townsend Act of 1767 led to a yeah yeah this a riot. This, this was before the uh, yeah. This was before the tea So act. it led to the riot um, where British troops opened fire. Yeah, on that them, is the leading yeah. leading to the Boston Massacre. The Boston Massacre, um, which was the first labeled battle in quotes. Um, so colonists they were out um, in the streets of Boston. And uh, there were several soldiers there. And so they began throwing things at them, uh, pretty light things, nothing major. Um, I think rocks are kind of major. Well, they weren't rocks yet. <laughs> they were, they were uh, you know, pebbles. just pebbles, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so they sort of started doing this to these poor soldiers. Uh, and so the soldiers are getting more support near them. So the soldiers are starting to gather, and the colonists are starting to gather. And so things are getting more, more heated. Those pebbles turn into rocks, and those rocks turn into oysters, and, and stuff like that. Why would you switch out your rocks for an oyster? Well, oysters are pretty hard. I mean, yeah, like but it's a rock. <laughs> you ever get an oyster thrown at you? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, and you don't want an oyster <laughs> thrown at you either. I don't want a rock thrown <laughs> at me. Let, let the British soldiers tell you. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're getting all this stuff thrown at them, and uh, they're telling these colonists to clear off, and they're not. Uh, so eventually... They opened fire, and they gunned down several of the colonists, one of which was uh, Crispus Attucks, uh, who was an African-American man who was also there in the crowd. Uh, so they're all gunned down, and some of them are killed, some of them are injured. But this becomes sort of a rallying cry across the colonies about the brutality of the British uh, rule. And it's especially uh, sort of inflated by the media who in these newspapers and these silversmiths are basically making it seem like the British soldiers are monsters and that they opened fire and killed a, a whole swath of colonists without any cause. Uh, and that's how they're painting it, even though that wasn't necessarily how it happened. But, you know, that's media at its finest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the Boston Massacre. It ended up killing five men. It did. Um. And then nothing happened from 1770 till the Tea Act in 73, mm -hmm. uh, where then we have the infamous Boston Tea Party. The legendary where Boston Tea Party. Where a band of colonists mm -hmm. decided to dress up and board a ship, mm -hmm. and they, they threw tea overboard. This was after the Tea Act was passed. This was after, So yes. to protest this Tea Act, uh, they did something that is obviously completely insufferable to British people, and that is throwing all the tea into the harbor because tea was a huge export of Britain at the time. Um, and they just, these guys, these Sons of Liberty, as they were called, they were an organization. The Sons of Liberty, they, like you said, they dressed up and they threw all this stuff overboard and sunk it all into the Boston Harbor. So understandably, this was 
really the tipping point. This completely enraged King George. And so he decided that he was going to do something about it. And so, then he passed the Intolerable Act. Yes, the Intolerable Act, um, which basically, again, designed to reassert imperial authority um, in the state of Massachusetts, which basically what ended up happening was sent thousands of troops to Massachusetts and thousands of troops uh, to Boston. Um, so these British troops are led to uh, led by General Gage in Massachusetts, and there's, there's thousands of them. So those two ports specifically in Massachusetts and Boston are completely under British control. The British have a, a iron grip on this area because they could do whatever they want. These soldiers are um, numbering in huge numbers. They're able to sleep and rest in the colonists' houses because of the, uh, uh, what's it called, the, the Quartering Act? Yeah, the Quartering Act. The Quartering Act. Uh, and they are completely uh, out of control at this point. So delegates uh, are sent to a Continental Congress. Uh, and basically what this is, is it's people from every single colony. Uh, the greatest thinkers, the greatest minds, the greatest, uh, basically, the legends. George Washington, John and Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, John Jay, all those people. Yep. And they are all sent here at this Continental Congress to decide what they should do. Because at this point, nobody knows what's going to happen next. And they're scared. They're scared and they're worried about uh, basically if these colonies, their way of life is going to be destroyed by British rule. So they meet up and they decide uh, on, a best on the best course of action. And so basically, uh, they ask the king to stop. That's their, their plan, is to ask the king to please, guys, stop. Stop it. Uh, it doesn't work, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> because that plan sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it did go silent for a little bit. Nothing, nothing serious happened. Yeah. Um, but then fast forward to April 18th, 1775. Um, it's an important date to remember. Very important. Uh, it's on the night of April 18th. Hundreds of British troops marched from Boston to nearby Concord, Massachusetts, in order to seize an arms cache. Yeah, basically, um, these were the troops under General Gage that had been sent there. And so, uh, at the second sort of Continental Congress, um, what they decided to do was, uh, they, they came up with a much better plan, and that was to have the militiamen, or minutemen as they became called, uh, mm -hmm. to start arming themselves across all the colonies. And this was uh, by decree of George Washington, who they decided to make uh, commander-in-chief. They decided to make him their general. Smart choice. Exactly, since he was, uh, he was really something else. He was, he was a brave guy. He had a real presence. He was six foot four. Um, and he, he basically towered above the other delegates. For uh, reference, if you know me, I'm six foot two. So yeah. I have two inches to my height. That, which is pretty impressive, because you're pretty tall. Mm -hmm. um, and he showed up every day in a military uniform. So, I mean... Clearly, he was the best man for the job. He had fought in the French and Indian War, and despite surrendering, as you remember, uh, all of his troops, uh, <laughs> he had come a long way. Uh, so they decided to make him in charge, and he's the one who decreed that the Minutemen should be ready at a minute's notice and start arming themselves, which is why uh, when the British caught wind of this uh, weapons cache uh, that was stored at uh, Concord, they decided that they would uh, take it over and take these weapons so that they couldn't fight back. So that's when we get to our boy, Paul, Paul Revere. Revere. Paul Revere, the man himself. He was a silversmith. Um, and he had several other riders with him, and one of which I believe was a doctor. 
And um, what they did was they rode uh, through the, the streets, right? Through the streets, all the, the middle way of the night, all the way to Lexington and Concord, and warned them that the British were making a move. Uh, now I know I know some some people get mixed up. What is his famous line? Uh, it's not the British are coming. Yeah, it's not. It, that's absolutely. It's, it's the redcoats are coming. The redcoats are coming. Exactly. Uh, because, because yeah, y- because when back then they weren't British and Americans, they were, they were blue coats, British. blue coats, red coats. Yeah, and at that point they were all British. So yeah. having said the British are coming, I mean. That just makes it. Who's coming? I'm coming. You're coming. <laughs> we're all coming. Yeah. So we had the red coats and the blue coats. Exactly. Uh, so march to march through Massachusetts uh, to Lexington and Concord. So uh, they meet up at Lexington, basically, because the Minutemen have been warned. They're ready at a minute's notice. They got all their guns and everything, and they're waiting for them in the early morning. Uh, April nineteenth. Yep, at Lexington. Uh, and, and they're in the clash. The British, the British come, and they meet up, and they're standing across from each other, and they're waiting, and they're watching, silently, thinking. And then the shot. Eventually, someone shoots, and that's the shot heard around the world. Nobody knows who it was that shot first, but somebody did. And it started the war. It started the war, and it erupted into gunfire. And with that, we're going to end the first episode of this podcast. That's all, folks. Thank you for tuning in.